0: Welcome to Something More Human. I'm Sam.
1: And I'm Elliot. We're a married couple exploring human connection and its impact on ours, our guests, and our listeners' lives.
0: Join us in creating something more human.
1: Back in the podcast zone with Elliot and Samantha, Lynn, Archuleta. Ready? Yes. We are ready.
0: And try not to do this.
1: Wait. Let's start with that. Ready? Three, two. So, So, Elliot. Samantha. Hi. Hi. What's up, everybody?
0: I want to know something from you.
1: Yeah, we're getting started real quick.
0: I want to know what... time wasted. I want to know what human connection means and looks like to you.
1: Okay. Let's tell the audience what it means to us, what it means to me. So, this year for my birthday, June 5th. I don't know if it was on my birthday. Was it on my birthday? Mm -hmm. I think it was a little bit earlier. Maybe the, it doesn't matter. Around June 5th, we had friends over um, to our apartment in Denver. Um, And for those of you who don't know, it was our second month in Denver. We moved in late March, early April. So Mm -hmm. basically like we were here for two months and we invited all the friends that we had made so far. And, um, you know, we're having a good time, having some food, just having some chats in the apartment. And uh, I really wanted to take a photo for the memes, you know? And so we got all the group together and, and took a photo and it was, it was all, it was in the moment, but it was more like after the fact that I looked at the photo and I realized that like, wow, we'd only been here for two months and we already made so many friends. I think we had like 15 people over. And I think I realized before moving, I was really worried about moving here because leaving all my friends and family behind, I told Sam that I was like almost like preparing for the worst and that I felt like I was going to be really lonely and maybe we were, or I was scared that I wouldn't be able to make friends as a 32-year-old in a new city. And that sort of, like seeing that photo sort of changed that for me, you know?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I was like, maybe it's not going to be so hard to make friends um, as an adult in a new city. And so I feel like that right there is part of what human connection is for me. It's kind of what it sounds like, which is being connected to humans. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that's one of the goals that we had moving to Denver was like, we need to get connected right away. And I think in some ways we've done that. Um, but we've been gone so much that we, in some ways we haven't done that, but I think that was the moment I realized that, okay, we're going to, we're going to be okay. And also it just so happens that that was the same month that you and I decided on the name, something more human. And we decided exactly what the podcast was going to be about And I think that that moment on my birthday played a big factor in deciding, you know, what it was that we were going to do. Yeah. So what about you?
0: It's interesting because when we first moved, I thought being in a new city where there's sort of this anonymity... I would know like falling in love intuitively when I met someone that like the vibe would be right and the puzzle pieces of my heart would come together. And I would be like, oh, like we're going to be best friends. And that is true sometimes. And also sometimes that's not true. Mm -hmm. And some of the people that I didn't have that like love at first sight friendship, singing angels from the sky thing, like are some of our good friends and have Mm -hmm. been actually some of our friends that are more consistently in our lives than the friend that I was like, oh yeah, like the puzzle pieces of my heart are coming together and we're going to be best friends. Like, so I think for me what human connection is, is a few factors. And unfortunately a few of them are actually have everything to do with me, like Mm. intention and reaching out. Um, But I also think that human connection, like from a higher surface level is something, this came to me like you know, over the weekend while Mm. I was at the farmer's market. You were out of town. I was walking there with a friend on our way back. I saw one of our neighbors and I called her name and waved at her from across the street. And then a few blocks later saw another one of our neighbors. I think he's like on a scooter or something. I Mm -hmm. wave at him, call his name, say, Hey. And the person that I was with is also our neighbor. And she just said, Oh, you know, so many people. And I think This is also something I recognize when we go back to Albuquerque that I love so much about it, which Mm -hmm. is you go to a place and you know the barista and the barista knows you or you're sitting down for dinner and the person Mm -hmm. who comes in the door knows who you are and says hello. Like this idea of seeing and being seen by other people is something that feels so good and I think is the most foundational piece of what makes me feel like we're starting to become a part of a community or something that's bigger than just the two of us.
1: Yeah, for sure a good thing about moving to Denver. Um, and we'll get into this as the podcast goes on, obviously, but mostly moving to Denver was your idea. And I was reluctant at first, but I think moving here made me, and probably you realize, like, what a community we have in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Like for so long I felt like, oh, I'm just missing these certain elements and that's why my life is, you know, not where I want it to be or that's why my career is not where I want it to be. Or that's why I haven't made this particular thing because I don't have the the pieces in place. And we do like the community in Albuquerque is is very very strong for you and I, and um, definitely something that we um, a framework to you know to keep and to look at when trying to build a community here.
0: Yeah, and I think in Denver, I think this thread of what a priority community and connection is to us is what excites us so much about this podcast and exactly why we created it. It's not only something for you and I to do together, which is something that we had been searching for, like. What is the way that we can collaborate more than being a married couple, Yeah. but also what does it look like to continually create and expand and deepen the community around us? Right. So we're really excited about that. And what other way to do that in episode one than to dive straight into you as listeners, your questions and topics that you shared with us that you wanted to hear Mm
2: -hmm. from
0: us, about us, discussed by us.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, So I have some questions for you. Are you ready?
2: Yes,
1: I'm ready.
0: How do you make friends in a new city and how do you make friends as an adult?
1: Good question. Um, I think you and I have been talking about how important proximity is to making friends. And I think that you can get stuck on how it's a bad thing, but I'll keep, you know, I'll stay positive and say like, for you and I, this is the first time living in an apartment. Mm -hmm. And... It is living in the apartment is the reason why, my opinion, most of the reason why we have the friends we have in Denver today. Sure. Um, Yeah, so like half of our friends that we have live in the apartment, but the other half we've kind of found around the apartment. So like Parker and Eleanor, we met at at Alpine Dog across the street. Mm -hmm. And then Jess and Mark, we met at Dewdrop Inn across the street. Mm -hmm. And the other ones are neighbors of ours. Um, So I think proximity plays a pretty big part in how you find um, friends in a new city, but also I was talking to Klaus today and he was like, cause I was telling him, you know, just about networking and, and trying to be more intentional about, um, you know, connecting and trying to get my name out there for, for my, um, photography. And he's like, dude, join a class. He's like, oh. you know, you know, something that requires talking he's like you know i know that you and sam like to climb but climbing is different because you everyone's climbing you're not really talking sure and so that you know that year that you and i climbed we didn't really meet a ton of people there because we were climbing you know and so yeah. I th- so i think that like we haven't done that yet like you know he's saying find a class i think that's very simple yeah to do um I, i'm not sure what that would look like for you and i but i guess i'm trying to answer a question so i have one what would we
0: well, maybe this isn't it because it's similar to climbing. where like, you're not talking, you're doing the thing. Yeah. I would f- love to do a ceramics class together.
1: Ceramics would be cool. I was absolutely terrible at that in college. A little like
0: ghost moment. Sexy, you're helping me.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm surprised that you have seen that.
0: I have not seen that movie. I just know only that one scene.
1: Yeah, you guys will get to know Sam here pretty well. And she, I'm not even going to, it's not like I'm talking shit. You say it all the time. You have never seen anything.
0: No. It, the chances, if you ask me, have you seen whatever the f- movie TV show. The answer is 99%. No.
1: Yeah. We, we played trivia the other night with some friends and, uh,
0: actually I was better at it than you were.
1: Surprisingly. Not
0: by much, but,
1: (laughs) um, Sergio and Christy were carrying us on their backs. Absolutely. For sure. Um, the second part of that was what you said, how do you make friends in a new city? And
0: let me, let me add on to this question. So it was, how do you make friends in a new city? How do you make friends as an adult? And maybe more tangibly, how do you meet people in person?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, I think you have to, you have to be willing to go out. You have to be willing to like literally go out and get out of your comfort zone. Um, And I feel like the way that you and I have made a lot of friends in Albuquerque is, and I'm thinking about this, it's interesting because I've met a lot of my friends in coffee shops and to me, a coffee shop's like it's like the perfect balance of like introvert, extrovert, right? Because I feel like I'm extroverted and I am once I meet someone, but I like to spend a lot of time alone and I do, Mm -hmm. right? Like I go to the coffee shop all the time and spend hours by myself and I enjoy that. But also I've met people, like I've met some of my closest friends there. Um, everyone at Novel Point, um, you know. Satellite. Um, Mel. yeah, And everyone at everyone at Satellite. And so many, I mean, so many coffee shops we've met people at and made, made really good friend, long lasting friendships with. Um, so many coffee shops to shout out. But uh, you gotta get out of your comfort zone. You gotta get out there yeah. physically. And I guess maybe sometimes it's hard to do depending on the kind of person you are but um, yeah, you just got to get out there.
0: I think a couple of other tangible things that we've done so far are, mm-hmm. like you said, being in the apartment building. Our building, we're fortunate enough, does resident events.
1: Mm-hmm. There's one tonight.
0: Yes, there was one tonight. We're going to go. And we, when we first moved in, we were like, okay, the easiest thing that we can do is attend these resident events because A, they're free to us. B, we don't actually have to leave the apartment building. We obviously right. have to leave our own apartment. and. See, the proximity of the people here, if we find some people that we vibe with, then it's going to be convenient and easy to hang out with them. And as much as I I feel the way about like proximity and friendship, the way that I feel about the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. I hate to admit that that's true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But unfortunately, I do think proximity and convenience when it comes to meeting people and making friends is the easiest driving factor yeah. and you have to start adding in these more complicated layers of like intention. Yeah. Reaching out, yep, talking on the phone, like these things that become a little bit more difficult when you start taking out the convenience of proximity, which is fine, but yeah. just so we're aware of that.
1: I think even with the convenience of proximity, um, bringing up Sergio again, like I think that there has to be like in a friendship, like once you, once you make a friend, generally like one person is going to be the one that does a lot of the initiating Mm -hmm. and there has to be one of those like if if both of you are the person that kind of allows the things to come to you it's probably not going to work out and I think that once and you and I've you and I've talked about this specifically with Sergio and Christy Sergio always hits us up to hang out Mm -hmm. and you know there was a time where we were saying no several times in a row because we were you know trying to save money but then you and I had the conversation like an intentional conversation like hey like we like Sergio we like Christy like we want them in our lives like we have to say yes Mm -hmm. and you know if they watch this when you watch this like we love you guys and you know there was never anything personal it was just like oh we want to save money here Let's or we're out of town or or something but Mm -hmm. at some point like you have to see that and almost like look at it like like data or statistics like okay if there's if someone's invited you out and you're saying no three or four times in a row five times like eventually that person is going to stop hitting you up. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to be intentional about like, in my opinion, about finding out who that person is. If that's you, I think you have to be, I guess this is, this is like maybe a question I have for you. Like if you're that person, like, let's say I'm Sergio, do you think is Sergio kind of the person that maybe doesn't even think about that? Or do you think that people like that end up thinking like, Oh man, I'm always the person to hit them up. This relationship is one-sided like, what do you think? I guess you and I've probably been there in some cases. I think everyone's at least been the person in one instance where you were doing the hitting up, and the other per- person wasn't. Yeah. What do you What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think I'm thinking about a friendship that I have where I was the person always initiating and doing the hitting up and starting the text conversation or inviting them out to lunch or mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to hang out or whatever. Yeah. And I was totally fine with that dynamic for years and years and years, and I just reached a point whether it was a phase of life or maturity or I was just really busy or whatever, that I thought to myself, okay, actually I want more out of this friendship. I don't mm-hmm. want the responsibility to always hit up. And if I didn't, would we ever speak again? Or like how long would we go? Right. So I think it's sustainable to a certain point. And that point is variable depending on that person's kind of tolerance for being or holding that responsibility, rather. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, something that you've mentioned before is sort of being intentional about taking stock of those friendships and relationships yeah. and how much more do you want to develop that friendship? There are some friendships that are totally fine just being in the periphery. Yeah. And there are some friendships that you're like, you know, I could really see us being closer or hanging out more often, or you're the exactly the type of person that I'm looking to cultivate in my life, in my long-term community, Right? how do you strike the balance of you're hitting me up and then I hit you up or, yeah. or
1: in relationships, like friendships and is and in romantic relationships, like oftentimes we think like coexisting should be enough. Like it'll, it'll just work out instead sure. of seeing it as like almost like a profession or a job or something that you need to practice. You know, and I feel like that's sort of the same thing, definitely with the friendship, any kind of relationship. I think we talked about like a list. Like I think lists are really important, and I, and I think that we, when we think about lists, we think about work, perhaps. But like I was thinking, you know, if if there's some friends you have in your life that you want to keep in your life, I think it's important to like make a list. I'm thinking of like MySpace top eight. Like make a list of the friends that you that you have.
0: What MySpace? What top eight? Oh, top
1: eight. Oh, I was like, you don't know what that is. I thought oh, you my said. Gosh, I thought you said your age. I
0: thought you just started trailing off because no. you're whispering.
1: MySpace top eight, like make a make a literally make a like make a list. Look at the friends that you have. Look at and and maybe like gauge where they're at. Like maybe is this one friendship slipping away? When was the last time you hit them up? And I think writing that list alone could actually like really help, sort of bolster or save some friendships that maybe you have fallen to the wayside that you haven't really realized. Mm-hmm. Um. Lists are important, dude. Last night we were at the bar and we wrote a list and we realized we have a lot of shit to get done. It's true. But I think it's it's nice to see, you know?
0: I mean, you're preaching to the choir list-wise, but... It's so nice
1: to check off. We checked off something
0: today. Yeah, we did. And we're checking off something right now.
2: Yeah, so sick.
0: Something that we're actually learning the hard way is that when you're in a new city, you know, we have traveled a lot this year, whether it's for pleasure, whether it's for work, independently or together, and we actually haven't spent... A significant amount of time since we moved here together at the same time
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's a matter of proximity again like you have to be in the fucking city that you want to make friends in and if you're not there it's going to be more difficult right so yeah. a few like tangible tips that i'm hearing out of this conversation are be be present physically present and go where mm-hmm. the people are yeah. whether that's a coffee shop whether that's a bar whether that's your local i don't know farmers market whatever it may be mm-hmm. show up in person yeah um number 2 be unafraid to just say hello to introduce yourself to strike up conversation like you can't expect people to come up to you and you have to be that person sometimes and if you're like hi my name is Sam and they're like oh yeah hey whatever then fine. You'll ne- probably never see them again. Then you can say, okay, well, if that person's a dick. I won't be friends with them. And that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's true. Number three is reach out, right? So if you're not the person doing the hitting up, practice that muscle.
1: I'm thinking about like the friends I haven't reached out to, or maybe the friends that like think about that, like, oh, you know, I haven't heard from a million in a while, I'm hurt. I'm like, no excuses there on my part. But if you feel like that, I feel like that's where the like, intention and like communication is so important. It's like just, Send the message, dude.
0: The fourth tip is say yes. So let's say you're not the person doing the hitting up. Someone hits you up. Say yes.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. If you care. If you care about that friendship, you should say yes. If you really don't, then don't worry
2: about it.
0: I'm hearing you say a theme that I've identified, which we haven't named yet, which is I think there are actually very strong parallels between romantic love and platonic love Mm -hmm. that for whatever reason, we either don't nurture, we don't. Want to recognize that those parallels exist, but strong, open communication is definitely one that I'm hearing you say is pretty critical.
1: Definitely, there's a lot of platonic love in in our in our friendships, like in our marriage, like I mean, like with other people. Yeah, you know, and I think that that comes down to communication as well because I know that you know people are easily insecure, including I've I've been there too, or people are jealous and. Um, we both have, we both have friendships with the opposite sex that it really works, I think, because of that communication and respect, you mm-hmm. know, um, person editing this podcast, Kane. So a really good friend of yours. You've known Kane for a really long time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and perfect time to talk about when we were in Albuquerque last, we both stayed with Kay
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then you have, you left and, um, and then it was just Kay and I. And, you know, Kay's married, I'm married, and it was a really good thing that I stayed because we talked about, oh, maybe I should stay with my parents, and you had said that you thought that Kay and I were going to really hit it off and and have some really good conversations that might have not happened otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I think with the communication that you and I are getting better at, I feel like, and the respect that we have for Kay and vice versa— it really ended up working out and so I was able to stay and we had some really really good conversations um about everything and I think those relationships are really important and I feel like as our relationship grows those relationships also grow and I feel like they can't grow without this clear mm-hmm. cut communication honesty yeah. and respect that we have for each other that we're still you know trying to develop
0: I feel like it's easy especially when you're in a committed relationship to just sort of fall into the frame of mind, like, oh, friendships with the opposite sex can and will never work. Mm -hmm. And I do understand that perspective, but I think that this piece that we're talking about is open and strong communication Mm -hmm. and respect, right? And that's not only between yourself and your friend, but yourself and your partner, right? right? Like, you are the one who came to me and said, I could see how this would be inappropriate. Like, you're leaving, Kay's husband's out of town. It's just going to be the two of us. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable with me staying? Or should I go to my parents? Right? Right. You knew that Kay also has the respect for you and I and and for her own marriage, right? Like, it's a lot of layers of communication and respect that made me feel, you know, totally comfortable and confident that you guys would have great conversations and that nothing weird would happen. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. Totally.
0: Something else that comes up for me in that is... Had you come to me, right, and you said, I can understand how this would be inappropriate. What do you think? Should I stay here or should I go stay with my parents? And I said, mm, actually, I think I would feel more comfortable if you went and stayed with your parents than you would. Totally. Right? So it's also this piece of listening to your partner. You're coming to me for a reason. Yeah. When I respond, hearing me and and taking that with the weight that it really truly holds. Yeah. And there's something to be said, I think, around sort of the intangible intuition or gut or whatever, because had you come to me and somewhere inside I was like, oh, maybe I do feel a little hesitant or is there something not quite right, then right. I would have said, yeah, go stay with your parents. Right. And I had none of that reservation. And I actually intuitively had this feeling that you guys would have some really, really fruitful conversations that right. you did. Yeah. And and that's a piece, you know, on yourself, right? Like listen to your gut when it comes to your partner. And that takes time. It's not some magical knowing. It is getting comfortable with yourself right? and and listening to that inner voice regularly and often yeah. and then us communicating back and forth about it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think what seems to have been normalized is like, so let's say, you know, I do ask and you, and you say, you know, I'm not really that comfortable. I think I could have been like, oh, well, what, you don't trust me, you know?
0: Or like, oh, it's, it would be more convenient if I just stayed here, so I'm going to stay.
1: Right, but I think it's about, if there's like a red flag there, if, if if you're not comfortable, I think it's about realizing what it is you're not comfortable about and having the conversation yeah. right away, you know? And I like obviously resentment is, is you know, the poison and in, in the killer of relationships. And you and I have been there sometimes, so I think that we've really worked at at, um, at mitigating that. But yeah, just, I just feel like, And I don't always take my advice, but in past relationships or just hearing people talk, it's like there's so much bent up like aggression and from, from maybe like a conversation from months ago or something that sort of seeps into the day to day. And it's like, if we have that conversation and something comes up, a red flag comes up or or your gut feels off, I think that that's probably something that you should bring up with your partner Mm -hmm. and talk about nip in the bud. And I feel like so often we just kind of let that feeling, not even let it go, but we like hold it in Mm -hmm. and then it starts festering and then that's where, you know, so many problems start happening from something that's seemingly insignificant, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it's also this principle of knowing is totally different than knowing and acting on that knowledge. Yes. Like knowing what you're supposed to do and not doing it is a whole other thing than knowing what you're supposed to do. And then also acting on that knowledge.
1: How many times have I said that lately? I've been saying that a lot lately, haven't I?
0: in a lot of different ways like i think yeah. that that applies to more things than just relationships that applies to like taking care of yourself totally. or forming habits or
2: yeah.
0: you know whatever
1: yeah this could be a tangent but i was telling you like even even if you're like not religious i feel like like the if there if there is a hell or if there's punishment it's like first of all getting knowledge is like a big deal right like receiving knowledge whatever you want to call it a download or something that you learn is like a blessing and like is a big deal to have that knowledge right mm-hmm. but that's one thing but like to what you're saying which is i'm just reiterating but like to not do something with that knowledge to me is like if you have the knowledge and you don't do anything with it that i feel like that's like the ultimate sin you know
0: sure and i i think that's a piece right had you come to me and said should i say or should i go i say you should go and then you're like mm-hmm. And and you did have this knowledge and then don't act on it. Now it's a whole different problem that we right. have, right? T- totally. You know what I mean? So I think it's not only about communicating your thoughts to your partner, but then also kind of listening and digesting the thoughts that your partner shares with you right? and acting on this information that we're sharing. Because at the end of the day, we're a team, right? Like I married you for a reason. You married right. me for a reason. If I thought your opinion was dumb or I didn't want to listen to it, I probably wouldn't have married you.
1: Right. <laughs> you know? Right. But That seems to happen so often though.
0: I think people get complacent. Like it's easy to start hearing your spouse's voice become like the parents in Charlie Brown where it's like, Wah, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. you know, like even, even now if I tell you um, pigs are really smart And then you're like, no, they're not. And I'm like, yeah, they they have the intelligence of like a three, four, five-year-old. And you're like, no, they're not that smart. The fucking guy at the bar next to us is like, oh, yeah, no, pigs are really smart. And you're like, oh, really? Is that so? Yes. There's just something to be said about hearing information from someone that's not your partner. But it is a muscle to say, okay, well, I I trust my partner. I decided to spend my life with this person. That means I value something about their perspective. Totally. That doesn't mean you have to like worship the ground they walk on, but your collaborators in life. Yeah. I think we're starting to talk about marriage. So the next question we're starting to shift from friendship and platonic love into romantic love.
1: And by the way, to reiterate, these are all questions that we received from like you. from from, yeah, from you, from like friends, from family. So it's, it's funny, like as these questions are being asked, I'm like, who, who asked it? I don't know why it's just fun, it's just fun to think about like who, who Yeah, the could have survey was fully
0: anonymous, so we have no idea yeah. who asked what or
1: whatever. And, and we'll definitely do more in the future. And that's you know, that's one of the main features of this podcast is like, you know, it really is about you guys. Um we're answering your questions, you know. So uh I'm just okay. like who who asked this question?
0: Okay, this one's juicy. Are you just, ready?
1: Just curious, you know.
0: How did you know you found your life partner?
1: Yeah, and when we first when we first read the Questions or looked back on them, something popped up instantly because it happened recently. We were at a wedding at Blame Her Ranch in New Mexico a couple weeks ago, and the crazy it's already been a couple weeks. Passed by really fast. One of the most beautiful venues in the state of New Mexico, and I'm shooting there in a couple weeks, which is sick. Um, but anyway, we were at your cousin's wedding, and it was like a party. We stayed, you know, we, we stayed the night, and we were met all of her friends and had a really good time and drinking and smoking some cigars, hanging out. We were in the movie room and. Um, Pat's friend Boomer asked me, he just, you know, he was getting to know us and kind of out of nowhere, like the second or third question he asked me was like, um, you know, how did you fall? Like what made you fall in love with Sam? And I I was like, when was the last time someone asked me that? When was the last time you asked me that? When was the last time I asked myself that? And it caught me, it caught me off guard. And I was like, not that I struggled or not, not that I was like, um, like why did I fall in love with Sam? But kind of, because I started thinking about all the things that I love about you now. Whereas when I first fell in love with you, like we fell in love pretty quickly. Um, I actually said, I love you first. And Sam Sam didn't say it. Okay. And Sam didn't say it for several more weeks, which is totally fine. But that happened really fast. And I feel like so, so much oftentimes. And we, we've talked about like. This proximity thing becomes a thing again with like soulmates. Like I feel Mm. like. I think everyone's had multiple soulmates, you know, or some people have. And I feel like the way that you and I fell in love very quickly, like there were some things I didn't know about you then that I do know now. And so anyway, I was thinking about all those things at once trying to answer this question. I was like, oh, well, you know, like she's just so intelligent and very type A. And I love that is not what you said. Well, I don't think that's I don't think I said type A, but (laughs) I was I probably was trying to say that. And what I like what I like about or what I love about you is that part of you that personality of you, that's just like a go-getter and he's like very cut and dry and like you know there's no lie there's no bullshit like here it is and so I was saying I was I was trying to come up with things but it was it was problematic for me mm-hmm. and I felt like this rush of blood to my head like it's just does this guy even think I love my wife and it's just so complex but like we talked about like when you know you know and I know that you're going to get into that mm-hmm. like what what does that even mean but so many things happened right away for you and I and I'm not even sure I could quantify what it, exactly that it was. But, like, you and I connected right away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is that? Is that is that proximity? I mean, obviously, we were attracted to each other physically. I feel like that's kind of a prerequisite. But
0: Is it magic? But is our, it like
1: Our love is very physical, like, pretty quickly. Is it Maybelline? And, yeah. Maybe it's Maybelline. I can't believe you even know that. Wow.
0: What are you talking about? I feel
1: like that's such an old commercial.
0: <laughs> Maybe she's born with it. Anyway.
1: So... I don't know if I answered that question, but it was very interesting for a stranger to ask me on the spot in front of people. And I feel like I answered it fine. But I'm just like, what I know about you now is not at all what I know what I knew about you then. Mm -hmm. There was only so much to work from, and yet I fell in love with you so quickly. So in my opinion, like, the when you know, you know, there's some truth to that. There's some magic there that isn't quite quantifiable in my opinion what do you what do you think
0: it sounds like you're saying there was just something intangible about the way that we connected
1: yeah how did you fall in love with me but what did you do you have anything to say about the like when you know you know part
0: yes but before we get into that i was gonna say there were definitely a lot of synchronicities in the way that we met and the synchronicities that sort of unfolded yeah um so i just want to tell this quick story because i don't think we've ever shared this yes like publicly or in this kind of format um obviously we fell in love very quickly if you don't know we got engaged in five months which is bananas
1: bunkers, and then we got married
0: a year after that so we got married a total of like a year and a half from the start of our dating <laughs> which is crazy so when i told my mom hey i like this guy's totally the one do you want to start maybe thinking about a wedding um she told me this story which is when she was pregnant with me i am my mom's only child i'm the only child that she has ever had they told her, oh, great, you're having a girl. And my mom's like, "Yep, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's a boy, so I'm going to pick a boy name. So she had one boy name picked out. She didn't have a single girl name picked out. She gives birth, and they're like, congratulations, you have a healthy baby girl. And she's like, oh, shit, I only had a boy name picked out. Did your
1: mom really think up, to, up until the point of the birth canal opening up for her that she thought that she was convinced it was a boy? Here's the
0: thing. I know that my parents had – four or five girl names picked out. Mm -hmm. And in the hospital after I was born, they kind of surveyed our family, which was like, what names do you like? Samantha, Victoria, Lindsay, some other ones that I don't remember. Crazy. So the name that my mom had picked out was Elliot. So she was really excited to have an Elliot in the family.
1: That's pretty wild.
0: Which is pretty wild. That on its own is like, okay, yeah, that's kind of cool. Then we get married. I had to change my name. So I go you know, bring our marriage certificate, bring my social security card, bring my birth certificate in person. There's usually not really a reason for people to hold their physical birth certificate and look at it unless, you know, you're changing your name or need a replacement social security card or whatever. Right. So up until this point, I had never seen my birth certificate because I had literally no reason to. I'm looking at it. It says date of birth, September 30th, date of filing, November 3rd. And that was the day that we had gotten married. This all transpired after we got married, obviously, because this is when I'm changing my name. Mm -hmm. So that sent shivers down my spine and still does. I think it's just what are the chances of that? We had had landed on November 3rd as a date. Not by chance, but it wasn't our first choice. We wanted like early in October, like mid-October. And then we thought about Balloon Fiesta. I didn't want it to be too close to my birthday. All the
1: venues went up twice the amount for Balloon Fiesta, of course, naturally.
0: And we didn't want it to be in September because that's my birthday. We didn't want it to be birthday celebration and anniversary celebration get lumped together. So we had to go on to the other side of October, which was not our plan initially. Right. So all of that to say, I think there is definitely some magic and some intangibility and feeling that just goes alongside falling in love. Mm-hmm. Also fully recognizing that that is in part a biochemical process. Like just yes. the flood of dopamine in your brain makes you feel all these feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, But not to say that dopamine was the cause of these synchronicities, right? Like those are both and. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about what the fuck does it mean when people say, when you know, you know. Mm -hmm. How do you know? Really, how do you know? Because the 12 to 18 months of dopamine in my brain is telling me this is the one. Mm -hmm. So how do I know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How did you know? Oh, yeah, I didn't answer your question. No, you didn't. Okay, so I think some of the things that initially drew me to you
1: She's like, I'm still not sure. No, stop. Testing out year five.
0: <laughs> yeah, you haven't fully convinced me yet, actually, it turns out. Um, no, some of the things that initially attracted to me are still some of the things that I love most about you. One of them is that you are very, very like raw, real, honest, vulnerable, um, easy to get along with, easygoing, fun-loving. Like there's just something about the way that you hold yourself in any situation that's extremely attractive. Um, Obviously I love your sexy voice and was physically attracted to you. Still am, obviously. Um, That's about it. What else? I'm trying to think of other things.
2: (laughs) whoa.
1: I'm trying to
0: think Um... of, of like the tangibility of what, Right, because I'm I'm going through the same process now, which is like totally. I know the things about you now that I love. Right. Which are just simply things that I maybe didn't know in month one or two. Right. Um, I think I do appreciate that you're very family-oriented. You are really close with your family. You love your family. And you have this, like, core family community, which I think is very admirable. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have very clear sort of codes of conduct or, like, the way that you go about the world. Like, you're very, very, very well-mannered. Um, And I'm sure, like, anybody in the world loves to be taken care of in this way, but you open the door for me without fail for the last six years. The car door, the door to the, you know, we're walking out of a restaurant, Elliot's behind me. Stop, 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 let me get the door, let me get the door. <laughs> like, I just think that that's so sweet and thoughtful, and I love that about you and and always have.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Okay, so I have some questions about literally what does that mean when Mm -hmm. you say, when you know you know, like what – help us this out. Okay, I'm going to help help you out. Here we go. One of the questions that I have that you should ask yourself when you start thinking about is this person the one, are you confident in bringing this person around to meet the people that you love, like your friends and family? Or – are you feeling embarrassed or Mm self-conscious?
1: We're getting into like the list.
0: This is a list that you should ask yourself.
1: Right. And I don't even know how this came up. Like when like talking about this episode or like looking at the questions, I really do think that it sort of happened naturally. But I think that like, this is how I'm talking about. Like we talked about the list earlier. I was talking about the list, right? Making lists. Yeah. Here's a list. But I don't like, do people do this? It's like, I'm thinking about my friends that are not like hopeless romantics but you know whatever that have had the bad luck or they're just like in this season of life where they're single but they want to be in a relationship or married. Like how many of them are coming up with lists and you know reading that list off you know or not reading the list off but like making a list, making a list of like non-negotiables basically mm-hmm. and checking them off.
0: Well I think that we meeting
1: this, whatever this particular person that they might be interested mm-hmm. in you know.
0: I think that we are tricked as a society to believe that love is messy and unplanned and that is the charm of it and Mm -hmm. if you're like unprepared and like whimsically falling in love that's when it's really going to be again what i said earlier the puzzle pieces of your heart are coming together and it's all going to work out like that yes that can happen and the older you get and the more you learn about yourself the easier it should be to kind of filter out the things that you know will not work for you right And i think this is one of them what i love about you is that i have never ever in you know from the beginning of our relationship worried about bringing you into a social situation whether it be my family whether it be with my friends whether it be with some people i know and some people i don't know Mm -hmm. i have the utmost confidence that anywhere we go you're gonna get along with whoever it is and you're gonna have some great conversations and it's fine if you're not going to be BFFs forever, right? but that you can conduct yourself in a way that's very charismatic. And I don't feel like I have to babysit you or worry that you're going to say something weird or embarrass me or any of those things. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. At the end of the day, it's, it's important to listen to yourself, but it's also important to listen to your friends. And I think that's why it's so important to have good friends that you can trust because maybe sometimes we can't trust ourselves or don't want to, but Clearly, if you're worried about bringing this person around your family, or you're embarrassed, or there's something that's just not right, that's a red flag, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if, if you're also hearing from friends, you know, there's like some reservations, I think that, you know, put two and two together. So I, I feel like, you know, it, that, that's where it becomes like so important to listen to ourselves. And I think so often what we do in life and in like romantic relationships is like we're so afraid of being alone. And maybe, like, the physical connection is so strong that we feel like we know we won't find that again. And so we're willing to overlook these, like, very obvious red flags. Sure. In fear of being alone or in fear of, I don't know. Like, I I, I really feel like that's what it comes down to. And it's, and it's, I don't know if I want to use the word admirable, but it's going back to what you said about, like, how nice it feels to be seen. Mm-hmm. I think that all comes down to just, like, the core of who we are as human beings, which is like wanting to feel part of a community, wanting to feel connected. That's what the podcast is about. Um, But it's just, it's just healthy to listen to yourself and to, okay, sure. If there's one red flag, okay, fine. You want to ignore it? Fine. But if there's two or three or five, like, yo, take the bait, you know?
0: I think this also goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the parallels between platonic love and romantic love, right? If I've chosen you as my best friend or the five of you or the, you know, however many close friends you have, yeah, you bring this new person around that you're questioning is this the one and all of your friends say mm, there's something about him or there's something about her that I'm not so sure or like are you really happy or just – reflect back to you some of their concerns or those red flags that they're seeing, Yeah, that's another opportunity to say, okay, well, I've gone through the checklist of who I want to be close to me. Mm -hmm. These people are my friends for a reason. I trust their perspective. Right. And you can weigh that against the way that you feel, right? If you're embarrassed to bring this person around, I do think that's a red flag.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Okay, the next question I have for you to ask yourself is, does this person push you or inspire you to be better or a better version of yourself. Something I think that I love about our relationship and that's very challenging is Mm -hmm. we're very, very opposite. Mm -hmm. But I choose to see that or I try to choose to see that as to our benefit, right? You always show me a perspective that is different from my own and one that maybe I have never even thought about. And if I can just be quiet long enough to you know, push the ego away and hear you out. Yeah. I'm always better for it.
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a simple thing to ask yourself and to answer. Like, do you make me a better person? hundred percent. Like without a doubt, hundred percent. Um, and I think if you have trouble answering that, you know, maybe write it out. Like if they make you, if you're not sure, test yourself, like write it out. Like how do they make me a better person? Like give a specific example, but there's so many I could give. I mean, there's just so much I could talk about in, for this particular situation. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Answering in relate in regards to us, or am I supposed to be giving advice? Both. Okay, yeah. Full disclosure: clearly, Sam and I didn't start this podcast because we have it all figured out. We de- we definitely <laughs> don't. Um, but I think it's worth mentioning, like that we are opposites in most every single way. Mm-hmm. But that and it is difficult. But I feel like we almost get to live two different lives or two whole lives because of it. Because I feel like when you're the same, like there's, it's just an echo chamber and you're not really learning anything new. And you and I, you know, disagree on, on quite a bit, but I think that's like a blessing in disguise because, um, I'm trying to relate this how to like how you, how this makes us better for each other, but it is, it is a good thing for us. And the way that I'm relating it to how, you know, do you make, do you make me a better person is because of how opposite you are, because you show me all these things that maybe I lack or that I could be better at. And it just makes me want to be better for you. Um, And that that's super necessary in a relationship. Mm -hmm. If you're not if you're not better, if you're not a better person um, for the person that you're with, you gotta get out of that relationship, you know?
0: Yeah, I almost feel like something that I think of when you say like that the echo chamber is so real. And if you're with someone that's very, very, very similar to you, Mm -hmm. it reminds me of sort of how our perspectives are enhanced by travel. Like just Having someone to show you that actually the world does not revolve around you, like Mm -hmm. the people that are going about their lives that are around you in the world, the billions of people are totally different and complex and don't have the same political views, don't have the same friendships, don't have the same traumatic upbringing, don't have the same like whatever it is. And I think we can often think about other people as similar versions to ourselves. And that is just simply not the case is this person willing to show up and work? So this is something I think we didn't say earlier when we're talking about the intangible ways that we fell in love and sort of the intangible magic of when you know, you know. Mm -hmm. We have come to the conclusion over five years of marriage that we are soulmates and that that's not magic. Soulmates are not found, they're made. And so is this person willing to show up and work? Yeah. And back to this kind of like biochemical flooding of the first 12 to 18 months dopamine rushing your brain, it's usually about that two-year mark that I feel like people start to settle into, oh, okay, I see you as the totally separate and different person that you are. And I'm starting to notice all the ways that you piss me off and bug me and like the ways that we're incompatible So what do you do when you reach that point? Because it is not the magic of falling in love that that pivot point will be easy and seamless. It is the willingness of both people to show up and work.
1: So many people I know are so like just completely against going to therapy. And I want to give most of them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm better because I went. Like I'm not saying that it just like it saved my life first of all and it saved our marriage
2: mm-hmm.
1: like when i was going by myself it's it saved me and when we were going together it saved our marriage for sure definitely and going to therapy isn't like i think people i don't know i, I think there's a couple things like you definitely have to admit that you're wrong someone else is going to some stranger is going to tell you that you're wrong and that you're full of shit that sucks but you need to hear it Definitely, like we needed to hear it together, and
0: you need to hear it from someone that's not your partner, yeah, right? Yeah, you need to hear it from, an, <laughs>
1: from from an objective source. Yeah, you know, but also like, yeah, I don't know. I just therapy is just like it's it's really important, and I think that that was one way that you and I proved to each other that we were willing to show up and do the work,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that the reason other the other reason people don't go is maybe they do, maybe they. Obviously, like they're most of us are are deeply hurt in some way, and a lot of us just haven't dealt with it, and that's not something we want to we want to rehash. Like you know, we want to keep that really yeah. deep down, and but I see like so many of my friends like suffer from that, like not wanting to bring it up, maybe not wanting to be wrong, not wanting to cry, like not wanting to cry in front of an adult. Like I don't know if it's any of those things or a combination. I'm trying to think of what if there was any reluctance for me. I think that there was at first because I knew that I was going to have to admit that I was wrong where someone – I wasn't even going to have to admit that Someone was going to tell me I'm wrong and there's nothing that I could do. Like, sure. you know, that is to say, though, you have to be honest with your therapist. If you're not honest, they're not going to be able to help you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know? I think there's no point in going if you're not going to be honest.
1: Yeah, for sure. But I think that was one of the ways that I realized that you were willing to but that I was willing to, like, show up and do the work is, like, okay, we're young. We're only like first year in marriage, but like we're having a rough time. We could have just decided to hang it up and call it quits, Mm -hmm. but like we made a commitment to each other and that's going, how many years did we go? Three years almost? I think so. Off and on for three, years, not off and on, pretty consistent.
0: I would say minimum two
1: years. Yeah. And like what, once every week or once every other week on average? Mm -hmm. Saved our marriage, guys, for sure it did. And that's not to say like, or maybe it is like, oh, our our marriage was weak or whatever. No, like it was just that Sam and I didn't have the tools that we needed and that's kind of what it is, right? It's like these these communication tools, or these like we were talking to Christy, Christina yesterday about um, attachment styles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, some of those, some of those, things, like you don't know what you don't know, and that to me, that's what the therapist is there to provide. They're not there to tell you that you're a piece of shit. They're there to give you tools to help you on your way. Yeah, and that's what we acquired. And you know, we can talk about what those specific things are in a future episode, maybe. But long winded way to say, like yes, you need, you need to tangibly prove that your partner's willing to show up to do the work, but also you like, what are you doing? And you've asked me that too. We've talked about that. Like Mm -hmm. when we get into our ruts or when I get into my ruts, like you have this really cool way of, how do I explain it? It's really, really beneficial. Um, because it does point out my flaws, but I know that's not why you're doing it. I think that you're doing it. You're trying to be as objective as possible. So like what Sam will do is like, if I'm not you know meeting her needs, like she'll tell me, what she's doing for me and not not trying to comp- not trying to compare i wish i could give you a specific example maybe, maybe not you can what help. i'm
0: doing for you but yeah. the things the actions that i'm taking
1: to show you that you love me to show you that i love and you. then she sort of then you asked me like well what are, what are you doing mm-hmm. and there have been many times in the past where it was like yeah like what the fuck am i doing to show my my wife that i love her i'm so self-absorbed i'm so wrapped up in my head not that that's an excuse but that i have forgotten that again, like th- this isn't just a matter of coexisting. Like it takes work. Like it is a, it, it is work. It's you a know? verb. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's a, a tool that maybe you came up with or that you developed on your own, but that sort of just highlights for both the, both of us, like, what are we doing? Like having yeah. those honest conversations, asking the questions up front, um, you know, are really, are really important. So.
0: Yeah. I think that's something that was to our benefit about getting married early and just like fast and young was that having this really big legal commitment of being married yeah right around this two-year mark that i'm talking about we're like it starts to get a little tricky and difficult and Mm -hmm. fucking hard
1: yeah it wasn't
0: even because we're married
1: it's like right away man
0: well well i'm saying we had been together for like a year year and and a half yeah so we're like you know, getting close to this year mark. Our first yeah. year of marriage, everybody was terrible. We did not have a good time.
1: We almost didn't go on our honeymoon. Like we fought that night. Like we had a red eye yeah. and we were like fighting and crying that night. So literally, like our honeymoon, it was even our honeymoon wasn't that great. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what I'm saying is, I think the benefit actually to us, we could say rushing into things, yeah. was that having this legal commitment to each other allowed us. To say, okay, well, we've made this commitment.
2: Mm-hmm. Now
0: it's really fucking hard. Yeah. But because we had taken breaking up or separating and put it at the very, very back of our options, at the bottom of the list, not even on the table, right. it sort of allowed us to relax into the creativity of making it work. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay, it is really hard. We are having a terrible time. We, one of our options is not getting a divorce. What should we do? What can yeah. we do? What are the options to work at it? And it works if you work it. Like, I I love, I don't remember who asked us. Someone asked me the question, do you believe in soulmates? And so I asked you, and I just love, they're not found, they're made. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we're soulmates, and we've made it.
1: It's a beautiful thing that you say. I don't know if, if, if I'm sure it's been said before, but it's just true, man. Like, maybe for some people, I, I think, I, I can't remember who it was, someone in Albuquerque that I don't know, maybe peripherally, and they were just like, yeah, like, somehow, some way, like, our relationship is so effortless. Like, we really don't fight. Like, we just get along. And that obviously is possible. And we and do think, not know and, what
0: that's like. And I think <laughs> it
1: happens for people. But I think the problem is that people maybe hear that and they latch on and they think that that's how love should be. Or like they assume
0: that that's the, I don't know, the baseline, the totally, foundation. Totally. And if
1: it doesn't work in the first week or month or two months, we're fighting, like, it's not good. Or and that, I,
0: it, yeah, or that if you don't have to work at it and that it's not effortless, yeah. then it's a failure in some way.
1: And I think I'll... I'll say this to not really call out, but like to challenge a friend who said like, you know, as soon as the going gets rough, I'm out. Like as soon as I'm not having fun, I'm out. And I'm like, that is totally fair. If you're looking to like hook up and have a good time, like, you know, surface level. But like, if you're looking to like have a serious relationship and get married, like you're never, that's never going to work because the going will absolutely get rough. Like life is not perfect. Relationships are never perfect. That would be boring anyway. Um,
0: I also think there is, strength in the bond when you get through something hard together. Mm-hmm. Like if we're never doing anything hard together or working together to overcome something or establishing a goal and then working together to get there, we're not actually deepening our bond. Like mm-hmm. doing passive things together or like just having fun in the moment is awesome. But there are other things that we do that are hard or that are just outside the comfort zone yeah. that ultimately strengthen our bond long term. Right, And you have to balance both of those things, like love as a verb, doing the hard stuff, building the bond long term, yeah. and play and fun and friendship and laughter and all of these things, Like they need to be both present on the table when it comes to a successful relationship, I think. I think there are two major topics that you also need to ask your partner before doing this long-term commitment, like Mm -hmm. marriage. One of them is to talk about money. Mm -hmm. And that does not mean that you have to combine your finances. But I do think it means having some sort of discussion about Mm -hmm. money, finance, spending. We have fully combined finances and i don't at all want to say that that is a blanket one size fits all for everyone because i know that that's not the case but i think that but i think that that is something that has worked really well for us and and a framework that has worked well in our marriage
1: yeah this is like one of my this is like one of my favorite topics because man well money is like so taboo yeah talking about money is so taboo and we we don't need to name them but like You know, you follow some YouTubers who were like trying to be very transparent about their income to show people what's possible, basically. Yeah. And it backfired on them and they got a lot of hate for it. And that's really that's really discouraging. But I don't know if Sam and I will ever talk about like the money that we make, because that's not like we're never gonna be we're never gonna try and boast or anything. Um it's not like we're millionaires anyway, but I think it's I don't know, it's just such an important topic that we don't talk about enough and that I wish that more people talked about and obviously everyone's looking to make money everyone's looking to make a living everyone wants to be comfortable clearly money it definitely brings a lot of freedom you know it's also it's also a tool and so i think sam and i are trying to 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 see it as a tool because there's so many things that we want to do that just require money like there's so many things we want to do with friends that require money and so like we want to make money so that we can do those things that bring us and our friends happiness you know all that to say we combine finances like very like very early on not not during um
0: our engagement our engagement.
1: no but like as soon as we got married like you know all the money that we made from our wedding we we opened a bank account together and oh, i could talk about this forever but i feel like the benefit of having combined finances is like i really do feel like not even just in like money but like the way that i view our time like i feel like instead of me having 40 hours a week to work to bust my ass to you know put food on the table so to speak when you have combined finances, when you, when you, when you're a team, I feel like we have 80 hours because we do, you know what I mean? I feel like there's double the possibilities Sure. and I feel like it also sort of just brought us together in a different way. Like I felt like we were, even though we didn't act like it in in the very beginning, like I feel like we were a team right away. Yeah. And we had to have those difficult conversations about money together because our money was not our own. It was, you know, it was, it was ours. Yeah. I think,
0: I think right away it provided a framework for us to even though in that first year of marriage we were fighting a lot and had not really very much fun or money (laughs) or money yeah we had no choice but to check in regularly about this one topic finance like on a daily or weekly or monthly basis Mm -hmm. and the way that our life unfolded in these first five years of marriage really actually necessitated us having combined finances because we flip-flopped many times who was the breadwinner and who was trying something new. Mm -hmm. Like I was a broke college student when we got married and you were bringing in all the income. Then COVID hit and I was trying to find a job. So you were holding it down. Then that job was sucking your soul. So I got a job in a lab and I allowed you to quit. You started doing photo full-time. I was really unhappy in that job. So you started bringing in the income. Mm -hmm. We have leaned back and forth on each other in this very collaborative and team-minded way Mm -hmm. that I think has... Allowed us to always see things as ours Mm -hmm. and has now set us up for success. Yeah. To collaborate on other things like business.
1: Yeah. Um, And I I always like think, I always like when we're talking about something specific, I always try and think about like the nucleus or like the very beginning. I keep bringing up the Big Bang. I'm sure that's getting annoying to you, but like I kind of want to shout out like my parents. I mean, I think that while I don't consider myself religious, like my religious upbringing I feel like had some very positive. Um, yielded some very positive results for me. Because sure. I feel like it was never, like my parents were always, the, the finances were combined. That was very obvious. It was always a team-oriented mindset. It was never like, you know, you versus me are like separate, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you talked about like earlier, like it was a non-negotiable that our finances were combined, like from me. Mm-hmm. Not like I forced you, like, hey, your money's mine. But like, it was just, it was almost just like, it went without saying almost, mm-hmm. you know? And so I really have my parents to thank for that because I feel like I learned from them and I learned a lot of things from them. Like I think that we could both take credit, but I feel like I very early on set up like budgets for you and I. Yeah. You know, budgets for you and I sounds terrible. Budgets for us. Yeah. And I feel like.
0: Like a financial plan.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I just, and. No one learns any of that. Well here's you know the what? thing. No one learns any of that in school or if you don't have a if you don't have like a, a parent to teach you that, like where where are you getting it from, you know? And I
0: think that's the other benefit of having combined finances is yeah. like left to my own devices, at what point would I have made a budget for myself? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Never. Yeah. Maybe when I was 30, maybe when I turned 20. Like I I don't know. Yeah. But having that other person to be accountable to and to collaborate with and brainstorm, I think also helps you like what is a budget? What should our goal be? Now we're coming towards a same financial goal, right? Because things are ours. I do also want to add the caveat. I fully recognize that getting married and being absolutely fucking broke and then getting like real jobs and making real like human adult money is a totally different journey than being adults, Mm. making your own money and then getting married and having combined finances. I understand that those are totally different scenarios. For sure and still want to emphasize this sort of collaborative team-minded framework that just comes alongside combining your finances.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, I totally agree. And one thing I want to add before we move on is like, that's, I feel like those, all all those things sort of were seeds for this podcast. Sure. Because what Sam and I, I think like that's, it's also so important about being married and really trying to work on making sure that your partner is your best friend. So I feel like once you do that, then you do actually enjoy spending time together and you want to spend time together. And Sam and I spend a lot of time together and we, and we enjoy that for the most part. Um, and so that team, that team oriented mindset that came from the very beginning of our relationship. Now we're like, okay, you know what? Like we want to do, like we want to spend our lives together. Like we want to spend our time together. Like what can we do together how can we make money together? Basically, how can we live life together truly? And, you know, we're doing right now, we're we're doing separate things outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I feel like without those things, maybe this wouldn't really be here. Or maybe it would have been harder to, to come to the agreement that like, hey, like, we want to we want to do this thing together. And I, I just feel like they like they flow like they, they go hand in hand, like the team oriented mindset, the um, really wanting to establish ourselves as like best friends having combined finances is what sort of led us to this idea, like, you know, even though we're both opposite, we're very interested in human connection. We're both interested in community.
0: I agree. All of those things go hand in hand Mm -hmm. in creating the relationship that we have now, you know, and, and the life that we will have in the next three, five, 10 years. Yeah, for sure. Along the same vein, something that's really important to discuss with your partner before marriage or a long-term commitment, whatever, is The topic of kids, children, having a family, not saying that you guys need to know, but that if someone feels really strongly about it and or another person feels strongly in the opposite direction, that's something you need to know ASAP. Mm -hmm. And if you're in strong disagreement from the get-go, that is not something that is going to magically resolve itself. And you said this earlier, resentment is really like that secret poison that will just poison the roots. Like it's going to be really, really hard to get rid of once you have it, especially something as big of a topic and a life choice and transformational as having children. Mm -hmm. That's something that you need to know and be on board if someone has a strong opinion early on.
1: Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. Do
0: you have anything to say about kids?
1: Um, for those of you who don't know, I do have baby fever, <laughs> okay. but I was talking to a friend on the phone today and, and, you know, I keep hearing it it's like, wait to have kids, you know, like just wait to have kids. Um, so I want kids, but I know that it's just not time, you know?
0: Well, I'll also say like, we're wishy-washy on it. Like we go back yeah. and forth. We could wait tons of time because I'm five years old. So,
1: right. Well, that's weird to say. Um, <laughs> not quite, but, uh. Yeah. Kids are, I mean, I, if one of you wants kids and one of you doesn't, that's not going to work out, you know? But I think you and I both, yeah, we're in agreement. Like we'll either have zero or we'll have two because you were an only child and you think that a child needs maybe another one to play with yeah, and hang out with, have a best friend. Yeah. For sure. And I totally agree with that. There's also
0: this piece of life that I literally cannot relate to anybody else on, right? Like what what is a sibling? What is yeah. it like to have a sibling? How does, it, how is it to grow up with another kid? I literally can't relate to you on that level yeah. at all ever. And I never will be able to.
2: Yeah. That's true. that's
0: an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Wrapping up this section, there is a piece of advice that I, I see us giving kind of often over the last couple of years when people ask us questions about their relationship or start talking about maybe some, you know, tribulations that they're having. Yeah. And that is... Know within yourself what your non-negotiables are and get really clear on what those are. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, you can compromise on your non-negotiables. It's possible.
2: Give
1: an example.
0: Non-negotiables are not things that you can't compromise on. For example, kids, right? If you came to me when we were first dating and you were like, I am meant to be a father. Mm -hmm. I have to have kids. Mm -hmm. I am destined for children and Marriage to me means a family. Mm -hmm. Like, it is my non-negotiable that we have kids. That's really, really, really important to me. Okay, 10 years into our relationship, I'm like, oh, you know what? I've fully changed my mind. I don't want kids at all. We can't have kids. No. You can compromise on that and we can never have kids. Right. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have this seed of resentment forever. Yeah. So if you're compromising on your non-negotiables, you will be resentful. Whatever they are, they could be simple. Yeah. Yeah. I perceive another one of your non-negotiables as um, early in our marriage we talked or sorry early in our dating we talked about long distance and you mm-hmm. we were like no having a partner and having a long-term partner and being married means being together and that's what it means to me. Yeah. If we're going to be apart for years like yeah. I don't want to be together. That's not something that I can do.
1: Totally. Yeah, and I've never really experienced that actually like I think I had a relationship when I was 20 or whatever 1920 where she was gone for six months, but I've just heard it so many times, you know, maybe I've taken that advice to her too much, like, oh, it just doesn't work out. I'm sure for some people it does. But knowing me, like sure. knowing who I am, like this proximity, this connection wouldn't be possible if you were gone for a year or like six months out of the year, or nine months out of the year. It's just like not something that I want to waste my time on or waste your time on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's true. But the non-negotiables thing is I, I totally agree. It's also kind of tricky because we change. And I think some non-negotiables can also change. You know what I mean?
0: Can you give an example?
1: I mean, anything could change, really. Like, I mean, you're talking about kids. Like, maybe what if I thought that about kids destined to have kids? I don't really f- feel that way necessarily, but let's say I did. Who's to say, like, five years later, I'm like, meh, like, things have changed. I don't want kids. Like, I think people change all the time. So not like challenging what you're saying, because I think what you're saying is very... True. Like there are non-negotiables that you probably do have right in this moment. So I guess that's kind of what you're talking about, right? It's like you, you go in a relationship with non-negotiables right away to say like, I want kids and this person's like, I do not want kids at all. Like, or like, you know, I'm Catholic. You need to be Catholic. They're not Catholic. Like, what are you doing? That That's not going to work out. I
0: think, yes, people change and don't bank on your partner's non-negotiables changing.
1: Totally. I agree. I agree with that. That would be, yeah, I feel like that's almost like emotional manipulation.
0: Well, I I mean, I think people do that all the time, right? Like, let's use kids as the example. Like, you come to me and you're like, I want kids. And I'm like, I don't want kids. Hopefully, in five years, Elliot changes his mind. Like, that would be really fucked up. Maybe you do change your mind. But that is not up to me. It's true. You know what I mean? And that that can't be – that is an unknown that you have to be on board at the beginning. Right. And then as you grow with your partner, yes, things change.
2: Yeah.
1: Everyone make lists, non-negotiable lists. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, are we moving on to rapid fire questions? I have we're,
0: some rapid fire questions we're gonna, for you. We're
1: going to wrap this episode up, but we want to we want to answer some more questions from you guys. Um, maybe a little bit quicker than we have with the past ones. So we're gonna we're gonna do a few. Um, what you got?
0: Okay, rapid fire. What is healthy communication?
1: Um, it's a good question. Healthy communication is. Honest, intentional, consistent, and respectful. I like it. I mean, I that, that could be rapid fire. I'm, I'm, I, I always feel like I need to say more. Yeah, but I mean, at the heart of it, I feel like that is what good communication is: honest, yeah, intentional, consistent, mm-hmm. which I'm not good at, and respectful. I think that's. I, I think if you got all those four things down, or if they're like, you know, on your list. You're probably gonna be okay. Yeah. If you can I, actually follow through with them.
0: I think mine are sister words to the ones that you just shared, which is open and vulnerable and mm. also soft. For sure. Softness is a place that we go wrong often, but mm-hmm. I think when we center like softness, things go really well.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you two turn towards each other and choose to love vulnerably? When the ego is trying to convince you otherwise,
1: it's a good question. How do you turn towards each other and love vulnerably when your ego basically is trying to convince you otherwise? Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
0: I is? I think for me, our question. default is like ego boxing gloves come out. Like that is our default. We're both kind of spicy in that way. So for me, it is. Why is it
2: spice? <laughs> for
0: me, it's this foundation of we're a team. Yeah. And how do I show up to this conflict and show up to the table in a way that is both team and solutions minded? Because the solution is not you're wrong and I'm right and here's why. The solution is works. we're in disagreement. How do we collaborate on a solution? Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, I do. Mm. Um, I think the a good example is how we turn towards each other was like, I think we talked about it before we moved, but like, we've always relied on our parents in some way, some capacity; our friends in some way, some capacity in our life, past life in Albuquerque, and I think what we, we were forced to turn into each other here, because we were moving to basically a place that we don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And we know Amanda and Patrick, and that's that's really it. Um, and so I think maybe the answer is like putting yourself in those situations that force you to do that thing like getting outside of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. that forces you to turn in Mm -hmm. and love your partner Mm -hmm. the ego part maybe i'm answering that question well, but i just feel like this thing comes up with like we had to turn towards each other and lean on each other because we didn't have anything else and i think it's paid you know paid dividends being here in denver alone so to speak
0: yeah i that also just reemphasizes doing hard things together builds your bond
1: totally next question
0: well hold on i also i also just want to add Prioritizing softness and fun, this Mm -hmm. element of fun and play, pouring into the friendship element of your relationship, I Mm -hmm. think the more often that we can be carefree together and laugh and be silly and and build our friendship, that allows us to be a little bit more team and solution-minded when we start to get a little fussy. I agree what brings you closer together?
1: Oh, that's pretty close to the same thing. Uh, same question. Not really though, maybe. No, I, um, I think
0: the other question was like, how do you handle conflict in sure. a loving way? This is more in general, what brings
2: you closer together?
1: What brings What brings you and I closer together? I think intentionality. Like I think it's easy to go about your day and just sort of exist. But I think like being intentional about how you're going to spend your time together, maybe having fun is a big, is a big thing, but like also feeling, identifying what your love tank is Mm -hmm. and filling it. And I think that's a way to, to get closer to each other. Um, love is conditional, dude. Like it is, you know, More. well, I feel, I mean, love is conditional. Like I can't expect you to love me if I don't love you the way you need to be loved. Oh, sure. And it just, those things are, you know, a push and pull. Mm -hmm. So I feel like identifying what this person's love language is and intentionally going about doing that every day, which is not something I do, unfortunately, is what what brings us closer together. And I think when Mm -hmm. we don't do that, we just drift apart, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would add on to that and say, a commitment to being curious, staying curious about the other person. Totally. You're right. People change over time. But the point is really that we should be growing together. Yeah. But you're a totally different person than you were in 2018 when we got married. I'm a mm-hmm. totally different person. And this commitment to staying curious about how are we changing and evolving and what our visions of the future are looking at, looking like and what ways do you like love, mm-hmm. those things are all really important. I would also add leading by example. For so sure. I'll just give a quick example. My One of my love languages is physical touch. We've been apart for a couple of weeks. You've come home. Something that I'm really craving from you is physical touch. So instead of going into the corner and pouting like, oh, I wish that you would come cuddle with me or kiss me or initiate or whatever, mm-hmm. I, when you woke up, came over to you and gave you a hug and gave you a kiss and stood there longer than we normally would. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that I want from you. And then that opens the door and gets the momentum going for, for sure. you to continue reciprocating that to me in this, you know, throughout the rest of the day, throughout the rest of the week, whatever. Yeah. So leading by example and not leading with like passive aggressive, like pouting, you know, for Sure. how do you keep longevity in romance?
1: It's a good question. Um, I think that's still, again, all about like, it's showing me that like life life's, life's answers or answers to life's questions are really about like intentionality and open and honest communication. And I feel like you and I are very, very open about our like sex life with each other, our romantic life with each other. Um, so if like there's something that we like want to do or want to try or something that maybe we're not um, enjoying, which I feel like doesn't happen very often, like we're just open about it you know and i feel like it's easier said than done but i feel like you and i have always just had that connection like we're always we've always been pretty open with each other mm-hmm. so i feel like it's investing in your partner's like romantic physical pleasure
2: sure. right
1: and having having talks about it and i think like you and i have actually done that quite a bit in the last week um and i think that's another good thing about being although this year has been difficult because we've been away from each other for so long we've had this like reset like so many times in the last yeah. six months where like I'm gone for a week or you're gone for a week or we're both gone, you know, and then we come back together and we sort of reset and, you know, um, reset romantically and physically. And I feel like that's a blessing in disguise, mm-hmm. you know, cause it is hard, but it absence makes the heart grow fonder. I really believe in that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that there are maybe two sides to this question. I, I initially read how do you keep longevity and romance as kind of what you're saying, which is Like how do you stay attracted to each other and how do you like maintain your libido and your like desire for sex with your partner? Mm -hmm. And then I also see this as a question around these more small moments of romance. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more than that. I'm seeing kind of like three pieces to this answer. One is staying open and curious to the things that Pleasure your partner,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that is more than sex. That could right. be a kiss on the neck. That could be grabbing their jacket for them when you know it's going to be cold outside. Um, number two is making that time for intimacy and romance, whether that's a candle at dinner, whether that is actual sex. Maybe it's having a shower together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And number three is making time for fun and play, because I think as we get older, we lose this curiosity about play.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And when it comes to romance, we get hyper fixated on like sex and love, right? but there's also this piece of your relationship that should be a big one, which is your friendship. So how are you nurturing the sex, the romance and And the the friendship? friendship?
1: For sure. I like that.
0: Okay. Last thing, whatever is hardest and whatever you don't want to talk about. (laughs) So this person just wants us to, I guess,
1: disclose. I love this one the most. Such a good question. I think the heart, like whatever is hardest is like whatever you maybe continually fail at mm. or whatever you're embarrassed by. Yeah. Wow. What is hardest? I think like, that's like why people don't like going to therapy because you don't want to admit being wrong or, yeah. or continually the thing that you continually fail at. And I think mine is like maybe my consistency just in life, like my consistency in our marriage, in my business, in life, Like it's so hard for me to be consistent. That's something that I don't really like to talk about, but I know that needs to be talked about, you know? Big time, for sure.
0: I think you're also saying what we talked about earlier, which is knowing something and doing nothing with that knowledge you said is what you perceive to be the ultimate sin.
2: Mm -hmm. Like
0: those moments where I know I should be nice to you and I'm a dick anyway. Mm -hmm. Or like I know that you would really appreciate some alone time and I'm pressuring you to hang out or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Like those moments. I think also for me, something that I feel more hesitant to talk about is definitely money. I have this un- irrational fear <laughs> of um Elliot mentioned earlier, I follow some YouTubers, they wanted to be really transparent about their finances. We're publishing quarterly financial reports to show people that traveling, their travel YouTubers, traveling on a limited budget is totally possible. And eventually, of course, they started making money on YouTube, brand sponsorships, brand deals, etc. And people and got jealous. And someone actually leveraged their expense reports against them, like filed a complaint to the FAA that they were flying a drone in a national park and was able to prove that it was for commercial use because they were gaining money from it. And they were um, banned from attending national parks for a little while. They had to like – he had to get an FAA drone flying license, all kinds of crazy stuff, and they had to pay a hefty fine. So.
1: I think that part's kind of like I can think that part's kind of fair because they were maybe doing it illegally. Maybe they didn't well, know. No, but
0: here's the thing: there's the, more, the, there was
1: more than just that. though. The
0: documentation that you have to fill out to do commercial photography and drone flying in a national park is like, how many animals are you going to bring? How many explosives might there be? Like, mm. how many cameras? How many helicopters? Like, mm. it's it's really truly commercial film production. Yeah, and that's, that's where they were doing. I really. mean, that's where content creation. I think. Is a gray line, right like it's just the two of them a camera and a drone it's not
2: right. it's not like production. fucking
0: bringing camels into you, do you know yeah, but for sure. i I understand right like money is commercial, but anyway, I have this kind of irrational fear of like things turning into um like criminal minds episode or you know people are like stalking us or uh, that's not the type of community that we're cultivating, so it yeah. is obviously irrational, but that's something I have resistance to
1: but we're gonna definitely talk about money, guys. We I'm ex- will. We I'm will excited. Talk about I'm excited to do that, and and we will. Um,
0: I think we'll also something that we know we should talk about that maybe we don't want to is imposter syndrome and sort of
2: mm-hmm. the
0: feeling of not being enough or being on the outside looking in or getting caught up in the highlight reel, social media, and and comparison.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's all, folks.
0: Catch you in the next one. We
1: love you. Appreciate Bye. you. See you later. Sam and I want to thank you so much for listening to Something More Human. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to support us, there are plenty of no-cost, minimal effort ways you can do so.
0: For starters, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform. You can leave us a five-star review, drop us a comment with a topic you'd like to hear us discuss in an upcoming episode, and you can also keep up with us on Instagram and TikTok. Give us a follow there at Something More Human. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you.